Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Killer Cocktails. This week we are drinking the Irish coffee. I love it. This is nice. One of my favorites that I think we've made. Yeah. And I don't even think we did a good job. (laughs) Of making this? Yeah. Why? Because we are having some like cream creep. No, 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 no. You should have seen the first ones. Well, you did because you drank one. (laughs) (laughs) I was a part of it and I was here. The first first ones I made were beautiful. We've had a lot. (laughs) A lot. Two. What? We've had two. Three. Is this three? Uh oh. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> it's three. It's three. <laughs> here's, what, here's what I'll say. It took us a long time with the cream and the photo. Like, oh, we had more drinks before the episode than I think we've ever had. It's just we were trying to take the photos and it's been hours. It's literally it's been, been hours that we've been at this. <laughs> I'm when I'm not making a mid episode drink like I'm done. I am. Yeah. yeah, you live yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the first ones we made, they were beautiful. Picturesque. Should have taken the picture then because the cream they was cold. They were the cold. best of all ones <laughs> visually yeah. that we've made. The coffee was a hot. The cream was cold. And then we had those ones for fun. And then we made a second batch. And those ones didn't take out, you know, take as good as pictures. So we like did another round. and I think the cream quit being as cold. I think. Yeah. I, and I'm making this up. I think cold cream. Cold Heavy whipping cream Whip. is super important. Yeah. No, I think it's like you, the... You whip it, it... Yeah, I don't know. It's like the hypnotic. It helps with the layers somehow. Yeah, with the deep ocean shot. Yeah. Like, it just flipped our layers, and I think that's key. You got to keep everything within its temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this week, like I said, Irish coffees, and if you're wondering how to make these beauties, you're going to want to... Get your mug and preheat it, and that way it's nice and toasty warm. And then you're gonna basically put just in... hot water. Hot water. Pour the hot water in. Mm-hmm. Let it heat the glass. Dump your hot water out. Yep. And then you're gonna add your brown sugar, and then you're gonna add your uh, fresh brewed coffee, and you're gonna stir that about. Make sure it's also very piping hot. And then you're gonna add your whiskey, and then you're gonna stir that, and then you're gonna layer on your whipping cream at the very top. And if it's okay, it's okay if it drags through. It still tastes great. It, it's delicious. It just doesn't have that crisp look to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Irish, so adding the whiskey, mm-hmm. I think for an Irish coffee, it's important that it be an Irish whiskey. Definitely. I will tell you all now that there is a man named Ralphie, R-A-L-F-Y, Ralphie.com, spell it all out, on YouTube. And he's just this adorable Irish man who does these like really cute long like 20 minute long uh reviews of whiskeys mm-hmm. and i listened to his one on tillamardew because i'll get into why tillamardew um but if you're into whiskeys or the history of or how they're different in ireland and I, you i learned a lot i told you i looked up and i went where did 20 minutes go <laughs> it was it was beautiful super it was entertaining yeah that's awesome so I had talked about this, I think, on a previous episode where I was in San Francisco with my mom and she was like, we have to go to the Buena Vista Cafe. We have to have Irish coffees. 
And I feel like I was in my early 20s. So, like, I would go out and drink, but, like, not really with my mom. Mm-hmm. And my we had mom. A, yeah. <laughs> and we had a wonderful time, and they were delicious. They were great. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I attribute Buena Vista Cafe to Irish coffees. Mm-hmm. So then in my research for history of recipes of, Buena Vista Cafe comes up all the time. Curious. So here's the deal. This Irish uh, website called Irish Central, mm-hmm. which I also was... They were also a publication that popped up for my murder as well. So potentially Irish Central is some sort of real mm. Ireland news deal. It looks like they they put out an article about Irish coffees and then someone was like, mm, excuse me, you're off a little bit. Oh. And then they're like, okay. And they like put out another article that was like, let's give credit where credit's due. So there was... Uh, Irish coffees have long been attributed to the Shannon Airport in Ireland. Okay. And it turns out what this person, what Mark, Margaret, ooh, it's Irish and it's crazy and it's not how you think. <laughs> it looks like, I think it's O'Shaughnessy. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, that sounds good. I could be wrong. Margaret O'Shaughnessy, ugh, I think I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway, that's what it looks like. Nine out of ten wrong. Um, she was the founding director at Foynes, and I'm probably saying that wrong. Flying Boat Museum in County Limerick. So she's saying that there's this flying boat terminal, and I don't even know what that term means. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I meant to look <laughs> that up. Flying boats. That probably means planes. Oh, that's crazy. Look up flying boats at Foynes. So it's 35 miles away from Shannon Airport, um, and that. And she's saying that's where Irish coffees came from. Okay, so a flying boat is a fixed-winged seaplane with a hull allowing it to land on water. A flying boat. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I get it now. Thank you for looking that up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the inventor of the drink is a bartender named Joe Sheridan. Okay. Um, he moved from Ireland to San Francisco, and he worked at the Buena Vista Cafe. <gasps> okay, there you go. So he took the drinks, kind of. So there's, it's a little bit muddy in here. So there was this journalist, Stanton Delaplane who worked for the San Francisco Chronicle and he had gone to Ireland and Joe Sheridan had made him an Irish coffee at this other airport. That's not the famous Shannon airport. Okay. And he wrote this like famous article about it and everyone was like, well, he made the drink popular. Then Joe Sheridan happened to come to San Francisco, happened to be at the Buena Vista cafe. This San Francisco Chronicle article guy goes in. He's like, Joe, make the drink. Mm hmm. And then they start taking off. So I'm going to give you some stats on the Buena Vista Cafe and these drinks. Uh, Today, the Buena Vista serves up 2,000 Irish coffees a day. A day? This is not a huge place. Like, they have decent seating. Yeah. Beautiful, like, beautiful bay windows, view of San Francisco. Like, it's a cool spot. If you're in San Francisco, I do recommend you go to Buena Vista. The busiest day they've ever had was the Super Bowl in 1982, 49ers versus Miami. Crazy. Uh, three bartenders, think about what a busy day this is. Three bartenders served 109 bottles of whiskey oh between my God. 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. The night crew served another 104 bottles. There are 29 drinks per bottle. So that means the pub served well over 6,000 drinks that day. Just from the whiskey. And that's, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Wait, why do you think whiskey was so... For the Super Bowl? 
Buena Vista is known for these, like they, for decades, have been known for these Irish coffees. Okay, got it. So people so in San Francisco for the Super Bowl, they're like, gotta go to Buena Vista, gotta get an Irish got coffee. Got it, got it, got it, got it. That's crazy. So this was, I, was, I told you, there's a really cool like YouTube of the, of the Buena Vista guy making them. And they're telling you that you can get them to go. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you circumvent, you're not allowed to like drink on the streets and like you can't make to go. Mm-hmm. You can't make actually made drinks to go. Yeah. And he goes, when we make the coffee, like you put the the sugar in you pour the coffee you've got the cream and then they sell little tiny Tullamardu whiskey bottles yeah and they give that to you and they're like once you leave the doors i don't know what you do with that you know <laughs> yeah you're such, not here such a pop that cap pour that in walk down the street with your, with your coffee no one's the wiser yeah um which i just thought was kind of cute yeah and you were saying that they use white sugar cubes yeah so if you watch their videos they go two sugar cubes hot coffee and like they have a very specific like organic San Francisco or Oakland coffee that they use. And then you like stir that all up, whip that super fast. They throw in the whiskey, then they do the top to whipped cream. And like their heavy whipping cream, they use a very specific fat content. Ooh. They whip it at a certain time. Yeah. It sets in the fridge for like 16 hours, 24 hours, whatever the number is that mm-hmm. they've come up with. And then that is what like floats perfectly, perfectly on top. Yeah. Um, and that's their deal. That's awesome. Because we use brown sugar the first time. And then... There's a bunch of, like, slightly different variations online. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the guy I watched, uh, he used, like, he's like, I got cold brew coffee and I heated it up. And mm-hmm. then, you know. And cold brew is different than regular brew. Like, yeah, it's a... Yeah, it Longer drip, yeah. yeah. And then uh, we ran out of that, so we decided to do a fresh brewed uh, batch. And I, I actually like the fresh brewed a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. But I think after fresh this, fruit's supposed to be hot. Yeah, and I think yeah, midway through, I'll try the sugar cubes, the white ones. There you go. I will not. Because <laughs> you have to never home. get home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the history of the drink. I don't think there's anything more to that. Yeah. Um, but here's what I'll say: we've had some drinks we liked. We've had some drinks we didn't like. Yeah. This I love. I love my memories of this drink. I love <laughs> having it right now. Yeah. I intend to have more in the future. It's so... If you like coffee... No, and I have a thing about hot drinks. Like, I really like tea. Coffee makes me... Hot Dr. Pepper? No. (laughs) (laughs) But coffee gets me too jittery, so I don't usually drink it. And, Mm. like, the hot toddy. I love the hot toddy. That was amazing. This drink? Oh, my God. I love it. And you were saying... You like hot drink. Yeah. So you were... were, To rewind time. Yeah. You were telling me that you didn't think you liked hot drinks. Mm -hmm. Hot alcoholic drinks. Yeah. You were nervous about this endeavor... That we were going into for the winter. Mm-hmm. And I said, Drea, I think you like whiskey. I think I, I have, my taste buds have changed. I'm an adult now. <laughs> I'll be 29 on Monday. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, tickling 30. Welcome to your 29th year. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, it, if you aren't put off by the taste of whiskey... And I'm not putting too much in. Like, that's the other thing. Like, don't go crazy with mixed drinks and make them super strong. Like, you know, people go to bartenders and like, make it strong. Mm-hmm. No, like, the whole point of a cocktail, like, you want the flavors to be balanced. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not you, in college I anymore. If you're in your late 20s, 30s, like, you're not, no one's trying to get blotto. Yeah. Yeah. You want to you wanna sip on something actually tasty. Yeah. You know, you're not chugging it like a server <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been the history of the cocktail. Uh, please, please, please uh, make this cocktail at home once you're off of work. It. Yeah. Um, if you're in San Francisco, go to the Buena Vista. Yeah, definitely. Very tasty. Yeah. Um, and definitely take a picture of your cocktail and tag us in it on Instagram and we'll put it on our social media. For sure. Yeah. 
All right, murder time. Murder time. All right, so I get to go first this time. And this week, I'm going to talk to you about... Now, don't make fun of this lady's name. Because her name is Dorcas. <laughs> Jackie. You, you set me up for failure. You set me up for failure. Uh, do you know somebody in my uh, ancestral tree is called uh, Doofus? Really? It was a popular name. I've Doofus? Yeah. Is that where it came from? I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. But my case is on Dorcas Darkey Kelly. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's the only time. How do you I'm spell gonna... Dorcas? D-O-R-C-A-S. Oh, I would have gone K. Okay. Yeah. And the one thing that we know for sure about Darkie Kelly is that she was burned and staked on January 7th, 1761. You and your old shit. I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually went through a couple... Ireland doesn't have a lot of serial killers. And I was... A pleasant people. They're just enjoying their whiskey, their and, coffees. And their, and their, you know, craft... Not craft food, but, you know, the brews. <laughs> oh, uh, no. What's their... Stouts. They're big on stouts. Guinness, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was going to go this one murder, but it got way too dark, way too fast, even for me. And I oh. decided not to go that route. Um, but... Back to Darkie Kelly. So I'm going to tell you a couple different versions of her story. A couple different versions. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So the first one is that Darkie Kelly was a victim of the Hellfire Club. Hellfire Club? Mm -hmm. Okay. So is this like a motorcycle game? It's 1761. Oh. (laughs) That's embarrassing. (laughs) Could you imagine that motorcycle gang? They're like, are they a bicycle gang? Hey, hey, you see? Old timey one giant wheel. I can't stop. Okay. So the Hellfire Club was a name for several exclusive clubs for high society people who were obsessed with occult. Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh. (laughs) Uh, So it was established in Britain and Ireland in the 18th century. The name is most commonly used to refer to Sir Francis Dashwood's Order of the Friars of St. Francis of Wickham. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then they shortened that because that was crazy. Fires Club? <laughs> the Hellfire. Oh, God. Yeah. So the Hellfire chapter that was in Dublin was headed by Richard Parsons, who was the first Earl of Rosé and was known to dabble in black magic. Okay. So the members would meet all across Dublin and were known for their debauchery involving alcohol and sex. Because the club was so secret, rumors started that they were Satanists. Mm-hmm. So the president of the club was named the King of Hell and dressed like Satan with horns, wings, and hooves. The members were said to set a place at each meeting for the devil in hopes that he would attend. Gross. Uh, They were also said to hold black masses in the lodge during which cats and even servants were sacrificed. But others say it was just a boys club who got together and had lavish parties. So you've got this like drinking club with all these people in it, right? And they're sacrificing cats and they're being weird and they're having a seat for the devil. That's all rumor kind of. Yeah. Yeah. What percentage? Let's say that's what's happening. Okay. Do you think it's like five out of 20 that are actually doing that? And the other 15 are like, this is just fucking fun. Because it's sacrificing cats. Like they're just like, they're obviously weird. Yeah. I'm not going to hang out at a party where they're sacrificing cats. Yeah. But if you're someone where you're like, ah, it's just a cat. If Mm -hmm. that's your attitude. Yeah. Like how many really think they're going to bring the devil? Yeah. I'll bet there's like a, there's a span of yeah no i think there's beliefs i think there's a small percentage i think for this club at least and maybe a lot of other ones they are just bored because they're these noblemen you know you know what i mean they're in this high elite 
and they're always on. You know, they always mm-hmm. have to be politically correct, and then they want to let their freak flag fly. And, yeah. You know, and this is their like one opportunity a month or okay. a year even. Yeah. But I don't think they. Okay. Yeah, I think a very small percentage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the famed hunting lodge on Monte Pillar Hill outside of Dublin was said to have been a host to the club's activities for around 30 years. And one of its members was Simon Luttrell, who was the first Earl of the Carhampton and uh, Sheriff of Dublin. Okay. So, again, higher up people. Yeah. So we're going to go back to dark Darkie. Uh, so she was a madame of the brothel called Madame Tower in Copper Alley. Uh, she used to see a lot of clients, but when she became the madame, she cut down her clientele, okay. and she only saw one man, and his name was Simon, which is the guy who was the sheriff of Dublin, okay. and he was also part of that really cool all-guys elitist club. Simon says. <laughs> yes. Um, unfortunately for Darkie, she became pregnant with Simon's child. Mm. And she went to Simon and was like, look, yeah, you're the baby daddy. I'm not seeing anyone else. Yeah, I need money for this baby. Mm -hmm. And Simon was like, hey, no, I'm definitely not the father. And in fact, you are a witch. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And she's a witch. Burn her. (laughs) Burn her. I've never seen her in my life. Um, Simon did say that Dargie had been casting spells on him to try to extort money from him and to force him to fall in love with her. Okay. And this part gets a little murky, but Darkie says that Simon took their child and killed it for a satanic ritual for the Hellfire Club. She had the baby. So there's like different accounts that she had the baby, and then other ones were like she, she pushed her downstairs. <laughs> no, I thought she, when she was at the trial that there's a bunch of midwives, and they're like, "Oh, you were never pregnant," and so there's like this whole. It's like that's why it's kind of murky. Okay. Like if she had the baby, or if Simon went in the middle of the night and took it from her belly, or you know what I mean? What the fuck? Yeah, but uh, so Darkie says that Simon took the baby for that satanic ritual. Okay, but nobody could find the body to support her claim. Well, he like burned it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone. It's Satan has it. Uh, <laughs> so um, she's a woman. It's the 1700s. Yeah. And she's being accused of witchcraft. So I'm she... sure she's hysterical. <laughs> Are you on your period? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so she gets taken to trial and they find her guilty of witchcraft. Of course they did. So they decide to partially hang her. Pa- what do you mean by that? I'll get there. Okay. She, they partially hang her and then they burn her at the stake. Partially hang her? So they hang her until she passes out, essentially, and then they burn her. And so there's two reasons for this. Okay. So one is she's just a woman at this time, and if a man had been charged with the same thing, they would have just burned him at the stake. Or they would have just hung him, actually. Yeah. But because she's a woman, they go that extra mile to do that extra Make a torture. Show of it. Yeah. yeah. Another part of it is that when they would burn women at the stake, especially. Um, I'm going to say for men too, because I feel like if you're getting burned at the stake, you are screaming your head off. Yeah. But so back in the day when they would. Oh, it's got to smell horrible. With the hair, the hair. That's why I say that. <laughs> but the thing is, back in the day, like these executions were yeah. a big to do. And so the Everyone whole comes out. It's crazy. town would come. And so what they realize is when they burn someone at the stake they are screaming and it's awful for everybody to hear these shrieks oh it's like not nice for the crowd yeah <laughs> so they decided put them to sleep first they decide to partially hang people before they burn them can i tell you what that made me think of what my friend and i went crabbing one time okay oh <laughs> my friend and i went crabbing and we, we got a crab mm-hmm. 
And then we both got nervous when it was time to cook said crab. We wanted to eat crab. (laughs) But you're supposed to like, you know. Put them in there. Boil them in a pot of water. Yeah. But then we read online that you can put them in the freezer first. Yeah. And then they go. And it doesn't doesn't do anything to like the meat. And they just like go into hibernation. And then you put them in the hot water. And then all of a sudden they wake up in the hot water. No, they're dead by the time they're awake. Okay. Was our understanding. Okay. That's what that made me think of. Oh, that's it? But that experience still haunts me. <laughs> I, I'll let you know that I went to the coast this year with my family. Yeah. And my mom really wanted a bunch of crabs. Mm-hmm. She fucking loves crabs. She, she bought a shit ton of crabs. And I come upstairs and all these crabs are in the live kitchen. Crabs. All live crabs. They're on the counter. And their little eyes are like, loop. So my whole family's in the kitchen. These fucking crabs are on the counter watching their other friends go into the pot. Mm-hmm. And there's this one crab in the pot clawing trying to claw its way in its little claw and all that i was like turn them away turn them away so they don't see yeah and then oh god and then they fit ah it just it traumatized me so back to the murder yes so dargy is so they hang them and they pass out and then they burn them mm-hmm. everyone wants to watch the body burn and mm-hmm. smell the terrible smells mm-hmm. but they don't want to hear the person dying because that's too much yeah they don't have netflix jackie they're bored Mm. (laughs) um okay so this is the second version of darky's story oh yeah we have yeah choose your own adventure so historians have come to agree that darky may have actually been a serial killer what and actually the first serial killer in ireland no Mm -hmm. so historians have found out that the witchcraft story was probably like a cover-up so um so darky was actually accused of murdering a shoemaker by the name of john dowling a cobbler a cobbler um the murder took place on saint patrick's day in uh, 1760 during their investigation authorities searched her brothel and when they opened up her vault they discovered five more bodies all the victims were male and it was uh, believed that darky had murdered murdered them all and stashed their bodies to hide her crimes interesting Darkie was sent to trial and then sentenced to death by half strangulation and then burned. Yeah. Um, they, I think they did this because at that time they couldn't wrap their head around a serial killer. People don't do that shit. We saw that with the United States. We saw that with Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also a female serial killer. It's very rare. So they, I feel like they were like, ah, witchcraft. Well, let's just put a bandaid on this and burn her. This is. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, and so that that was just recently found out, that whole hmm. backstory of that. So it is said that prostitutes who had worked for Darkie at the time held this insanely boisterous wake to mourn her, mm-hmm. which ultimately turned into a riot in the streets. So uh, she was popular among her friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and 13 women were arrested and imprisoned for disturbing the peace and really? damaging property. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So they have no way of knowing if it was self-defense that she killed six people <laughs> or if she, or if they, like... You know, like, in the 17th, I, who knows? Yeah. Or if they, like, did something to her girls and she was just protecting them. I think I'd have a hard time living in the 1700s. Oh, yeah. To- yeah. <laughs> Anybody, male or female, whatever race... Maybe a you time had a, traveler you had a ended bad up time. back in time <laughs> and was like, what the fuck? And started, was like, I gotta fight these motherfuckers <laughs> off. Yeah. Ah! I always wonder about time travelers. <laughs> if you're a time traveler and you're listening to the show let us know um so i don't want to live in any other time <laughs> yeah no this is great yes um darkie's 
uh, Darkie's legacy actually lives on, though. Okay. So regardless of what happened to Darkie, le- um, it left an imprint on the culture of Dub- Dublin. Okay. Um, and there's a really popular pub on Fishamble Street. And Fishamble? Fishamble. Like it. And the name is Darkie Kelly's. And the building oh. is actually the old brothel. How, how do we say Darkie's? D A R like how are we spelling it? D A R K E Y Kelly's. Darky Kelly's. Yeah. Okay. Um. So Darky Kelly's, the restaurant, is actually the old brothel that Darky managed. I like it. Yeah. Go Um, go to Ireland. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. If we get enough listeners, we could come do a live show for you guys. Come on, Ireland. No, that's a different place. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we have any Irish listeners. I want to shout out the twenty-three listeners that we have in um northeast riding of yorkshire i think so whatever like there are some people in the uk uh-huh. there are some people in sweden we got a span there's one person in spain who listens every week <laughs> i hear i see you <laughs> I, I see, I see you. you spain <laughs> isle, isle of man i think is another mm-hmm. like yeah i'm fascinated by these people who just want to listen to two drunk girls in america talk about murders <laughs> i love it and then also shout out to every other single listener that we have thank you america from the east coast <laughs> Thank you, from, America. From the East Coast <laughs> to the West Coast, because we're the best coast. Um, you guys are amazing. Thank you so yeah. much. Uh, check out our Instagram. Hit us up. We'd love to chat with you. Um, but that's not it for Darky. Okay, there's more. Okay, so but wait, there's, there's more. more. So we have Darky Kelly's uh, the pub, and there are also local ghost tours that you can take to hear Darky's story, and they mm-hmm. take you along the path, which we should also do. And then Darkie is also said to be the famed green lady spirit who haunts the steps leading up to the historic St. Um, Audun's Church in Dublin. Okay. She never ascends the steps, but instead stands at the base of the stairs. Some say she is unable to enter the holy place, while others say she is a warning to those who might make similar mistakes to her own life. Hmm. Yeah. There's, <clears throat> there's, I feel like we've talked about this. In Seattle, there's an underground tour you can do. Mm-hmm. Which I have you done? No, I would recommend. I enjoyed always wanted. It. I, I had a good time. Always miss it. I've heard about. In I, it's underground, if not underground. There's another one in Portland mm-hmm. that is. Um, a friend told me about this. There's like, they would Shanghai people. <gasps> you told oh yeah. You'd be sitting at a bar, uh-huh. you'd be shit-faced, and then, like, a trapdoor would be like, whoop, and you'd go down a tunnel, and then you end up on a ship, and they send you off to another country, and now you're just, like, a slave that came from Portland. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm sure <laughs> I'm missing some facts in there. Yeah. But I want to do the Shanghai Underground Portland tour, because yeah. the, Se- the Seattle one was great. Yeah. Um. So that is uh, Dorcas Darkie <laughs> Kelly. Oh, Dorcas. And her two very different but similar stories yeah yeah so she could be the very first serial killer in ireland that is an interesting fact yeah isn't that cool i like it yay nice story drea thank you um we're gonna take a short break i am gonna refresh my cocktail i'm I'm gonna gonna try the the what is it called saint what 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 is that buena vista cafe that one i'm gonna try that restaurant's (laughs) way of making this irish coffee we'll see you in a second all right we're back from the break Mm mm-hmm Andrea, you went with the OG Buena Vista Cafe recipe for your whatever number drink that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't count. Um, yeah, no, again, so- we, this has been a very long day. Yeah, yeah. I, I people because it's condensed to an hour. People are like, dude, you Calm luscious. Calm down. Yeah, 
This is over many, many hours. Yeah, yeah, you math it out, and it's not bad. Um, but this cocktail uh, calls for two white sugar cubes. CNH. Yeah. And Mommy we, uses it to bake her cakes. <laughs> and we use that fresh coffee I made earlier. We warmed it up. Mm-hmm. We did. We refrigerated that cream, and it. I feel like this one's better. It had a good... I took a sip of yours. Mm-hmm. It has a good flavor. Yeah. I it's, think I think it's white sugar over brown sugar. Yeah. And it's like creamier. Yeah. It's just smoother. I, I highly recommend the second cocktail we made. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about Caroline Coffee. Oh. Who was born in Dublin, Ireland. <gasps> double! Yeah. I like that. I was so proud of myself. This is the first time we've ever had a double connection. Our, mm, pro- maybe. No, it is. All right. I'm D- five yeah. drinks deep, Jackie. Double, I know this Double for points. Certain. If we were playing categories and uh-huh. you double it up, like... Damn it. You know, double points. <laughs> Caroline Coffey, born in Dublin, Ireland. So she was born in 1980, and she moved to Pennsylvania with her family when she was two. And the way people talk about her, it is just kind of a charmed life. She was beautiful. She had red hair. She was super smart. She rode horses. She went to prep school. She excelled in college. Um, she skipped getting a master's and just went for the PhD. Get it, girl. And she studied in cancer research. She was a star pupil. Like one of her old college professors would like bring her back and be like, dude, Get at it like this one. This is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Like, Caroline had it going on. Okay, so I'm having to have a hard... T- okay, so the name is spelled... I kind of want to make you try to say it. Let me... Oh, God, not me. All right, give it to me. Uh, <laughs> but I want you to not see, because I have the pronunciation here. So let's go. <laughs> it is spelled B-L-A-Z-E-J. How do you say that name? Blase. Really? Okay. No, you say... How do you say? Blase. Blase? <laughs> it is pronounced George. <laughs> it looks like it looks like blazage, blase, boage, boage. It's Polish. Uh huh. Boage. I love it. Boage. How do you spell it? It's B L A Z E J. I like it. Looks like blaze with a J on the mm-hmm. end. Boage. Get it. So this is a uh, dude. Oh. <laughs> Boisje Cot, C-O-T, or excuse me, K-O-T, Boisje Cot. So he's born in 1984, I think. I Doing the math, depending on when his birthday is, doing the math from articles, I think he's born in 1984. Okay. He was born to Polish parents mm-hmm. in Zaire and moved with his family to New Zealand. Okay. Polish family, born in Zaire, raised in New Zealand. Where's Zaire? Zaire, Africa. Oh, okay. Awesome. If Carmen San Diego taught me anything, <laughs> where in, in the, the world, world is Carmen San Diego? Okay, so his mother, Barbara, she says that as a kid he was quiet, he was sensitive, he was non-confrontational, um, but he was always kind of interested in technology. Um, but that he was pretty sickly; that he had malaria twice before his fifth birthday. Okay, isn't that kind of impressive? Is he really sick, or is she doing that weird mother thing? I don't think she's that weird mother. Thing. Okay. He had malaria twice That's before insane. he was five. And this is, they're still in Africa at this point? Um, I don't know when he moved to New Zealand. I felt like he moved there pretty young. I think you're probably getting malaria in Africa and not New Zealand, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay. New Zealand, uh, I don't know what word I want to use. Mosquito yeah. population? 
Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to guess Africa over that. Okay. Um, but he didn't die. Uh, he had a tense relationship with his father. Okay. Bing, 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 bing. Red flags. <laughs> Thanks, um, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie uh, will be our tour guide during this murder yeah. case. Keep all hands beaten inside the vehicle at all times. <laughs> um, according to people who knew him, he was a good student. Again, he's just kind of quiet, kind of keeps to himself. He went to um, McLean's College. He got his degree. He majored in computer science and physics. He went to the University of Auckland in New Zealand. And then he came to the U.S. to go to Cornell for, uh, he was going after a doctorate in uh, information science. So at Cornell, this is where, so he's there for his doctorate and she's there for her Mm. doctorate as well. So they meet at Cornell. And they both at this point seem very level-headed going into this. Yeah. All right. Uh, they meet at Cornell. They fall in love. Um, they have a civil ceremony in October of 2008. But then they start saving up because they want to have a, like a small, like real wedding ceremony mm-hmm. in uh, Costa Rica, Aww. which they have on May 2nd, 2009. Okay. 30 guests oh, come. Okay. It's very small. Yeah. So they like get married, married, and then they have like a, hey, everyone, let's celebrate. Yeah. Okay. So in between when they got married and when they're going to have the celebration, as it gets closer, um, caught to Boise, he seems pretty nervous and frustrated by the way his career is going. Um, one of his academic papers is rejected. So he has an older sister. She's also in postdoctorate research and she's at Cornell as well. Um, she says that she doesn't feel like she's like looking, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but she's looking back and she's saying like, you know, I didn't really feel like he was in some sort of crazy mental state. Like I feel like, he was going through the same frustrations everybody does. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't worry about my brother. Um, so Caroline and Boage, they seem pretty happy as a married couple early on. Um, they had after they had their ceremony, relative financial troubles just because they'd kind of spent a relatively small fortune. You know, destination wedding. Destination yeah. wedding. Yeah, they had some friends and family. Um, but in late May of 2009, they were visiting with his sister, and she's like, "I got the impression that they were happy and they were in love and." That nothing really is going on. Okay. So Caroline isn't really aware that Boisier had a long history of mental problems. Really? And Does, and the family knows. This is all, this is a, a lawyer later saying all of this. Okay. So take it with a grain of salt or a sugar cube. <laughs> <laughs> That's really bad. Jackie. <laughs> <clears throat> okay (laughs) uh so he's saying when he was a teenager he was quote always wondering if someone might be watching him through electrical wall outlets so is he schizophrenic um he also felt that he might one day be picked to work as a secret agent and he this is a belief that he never really kind of got over okay now again this isn't anything that anyone else really says about him yeah his sister didn't say that he like this is his lawyer at his trial saying all this kind of see where this is going yeah where did the lawyer get all this information from boise okay he was talking to a lawyer well he's going to end up in a trial i did this weird i like oh i did it weird i didn't say the crime yet (laughs) but a lawyer comes in okay so okay um okay so cot's kind of he's got all this to himself um, he later says that he believed, quote, a tragedy would free him from his situation. He felt trapped in his life, overworked by his studies. Um, he described how his thoughts went from hoping that Caroline would just die in a car accident. Or then he kind of thought about maybe hiring someone to kill her. Mm-hmm. 
And then he kind of thought, you know what? This is quote. I thought I'd just grab her and cut her and run away. Mm. So there's some stuff where it's like he just kind of is painting the picture of feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And just wanting her to be dead. And also just kind of wanting out of his life. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like mental health stuff that they also kind of start to paint. So on June 2nd, 2009, so they got married in May that same year in Costa Rica. So May, June. We're Jesus. We're right there. Yeah. June 2nd, 8.04 p.m., Caroline posts to Facebook, professional wedding photos are up. Guests, check yourself out and tag. Hmm. It's a kind of warm evening. They're in uh, upstate New York. They're in Ithaca, New York. She and uh, Boiget, they decide to go on a jog. They're going to go on the Black Diamond running trail. They've done this many times before. It runs parallel to their apartment block. It's very close, but it's a like a state park kind of the sense that I get. They knew the route really well. They'd both run it before. Um, what Caroline didn't know, this is kind of a pulled from an article, what she didn't know is that uh, Boiget had a box cutter in his pocket. No. No, 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 no. Could you... Okay. Yeah. Could you imagine you're in love, you just That's got your married. your new husband. You, you're not going to see it coming. And no. Then, and that split second when it's you're, happening. And like, and like you're uh, in one of those couples where you're like, let's go trail running at eight at night. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You're yeah. like one of them. <laughs> you're a couple you that jogs you together. You don't think that dude's going to kill you. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's... You're like a trail runner. I don't think trail runners Is think she of ahead their... of him? Is she like a little bit ahead? And okay, he gets... Here we go. No. I told you this one has details that you like. I'm going to tell more details than I like to tell. Okay, tell me. They start their jog. So uh, Boise and Caroline, they pass a discarded piece of piping that's just strewn about the trail. They run past it. As Caroline is running ahead of him, Boise stays back and he picks up the piece of pipe. So he has the box cutter with him, but he also sees this pipe and just kind of in the moment. On a whim. Grabs the pipe. Okay. Um, As he runs up behind her, uh, she starts screaming, Boise, what are you doing? And he just yells, it's not me. They wrestle. They fall to the ground. She kind of fights for her life. He strikes her in the forehead before he takes out the box cutter and he slits her throat. He would later tell a psychiatrist, the thing I remember most is the warmth of the blood. He said that um, he thought using a box cutter would be the kindest way to kill her. Um, he He kept saying he didn't want to cause her any pain. He thought that this was the best way to do it. So the best way to do it with to get like, a divorce. Yeah. Don't kill her. Don't, don't get married. But I see mental issues are a play to this too. So potentially. Yeah. Um, so a half an hour. It definitely or so, premeditated. And like, and I'll kind of go through this and I think I'm going to loop back with a few more details. We'll see how I organize my thoughts. So about a half an hour after he's attacked her, uh, a New York state park police officer. So he's, so it's, oof, too, I'm going to ruin this. Tawanock Falls State Park. T-A-U-G-H-A-N-N-O-C-K. Those are some letters. I'm going to call it Tawanock. Sorry, I'm butchering it. Um, They see him in his car. So, Boise is sitting in his car. He's parked at one of the entrances to the park. Mm -hmm. Um, He's almost eight miles from their apartment. So, her body ends up like 400 yards from their apartment. So, wait a minute. Is she still on the trail? Did he try to hide it? She's on the trail, like maybe off to the side a little bit. But he's now several miles from where her body is. Okay. He's in his car. But did he try to hide her or is he just like kind of pulled her off the trail? Um... It's not super populated right now. There aren't a bunch of people on the trail. Someone mm-hmm. will find her the next morning okay. pretty quickly. So okay. I don't think she's super hidden. 
Um, so this officer comes across him parked in this car and he notices that Boise has dried blood on his arms. He like taps on the window and Boise kind of sits up pretty abruptly, puts the car into gear and just takes off. Oh, okay. Well, the cop's going to go after you. And this was how this article put it. In a dramatic O.J. Simpson style chase. <laughs> oh, we haven't heard from O.J. in a while. That's my little tip of the hat to O.J. for this one. Right. So he takes off on this car ride. Um, so Boise takes them on a five mile pursuit. Um, they get up to 90 miles per hour at some point. He's going Ooh. in and out of lanes. He's Jeez. speeding through red lights. Um, he's driving off the road. He's not going to just like he's on a high speed chase and they're with him. They finally catch him. He's wearing a robe. He's slumped like he's pulled over now. He's crashed or whatever. They get up there. He's wearing a robe. He's slumped over the wheel. A robe? Oh, like a robe. Like a... Like a bathrobe? Yeah. Where did he get a bathrobe? He's, that's what he's wearing. On his jog? Hold on. Okay. <laughs> when the cops are approaching him, he's wearing a robe. Um, he's bleeding profusely from a large wound on his neck. Oh. Um, they take a small Swiss army knife from him and they take another little bloodstained knife, um, out of the, like the, you interchangeably use the term dressing gown and robe. Okay. I'm imagining it's silk. A silk kimono. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> How many little knives does he have he's on him? He's got a Jesus. bunch of little knives. Oh, God damn it. Okay. So he's being treated by paramedics. Um, he seems kind of out of it. He's been bleeding a lot. He keeps asking if Caroline's okay. Um, he keeps asking about their wedding photos which she had just posted online. Um, he's eventually airlifted out and taken to another hospital. So while all that's going on, there's also a 911 call to an apartment block where they live because their apartment is on fire. Oh, damn, he's been busy. Yeah. Um, they look through that, like, they're right now they're looking through, they've got him, they're looking through the apartment, they can't find her, they don't know that she's dead on a trail 400 mm-hmm. yards away. The next morning at 8.50 in the morning, mm. a jogger and a cyclist, they find the body Ugh. of a young woman. She's battered. She's kind of near a thicket of trees. Yeah. Um, the autopsy will later say that her throat is slashed with a sharp instrument similar to what he had been carrying. So in a bunch of these different articles, they'll talk about a small knife. A, a box cutter comes up sometimes. A small knife comes up other times. Mm. Got it. So who really knows? One and the same. Got it. Yeah. Um, they discover that her wrists, um, that she has like hand wounds. So they think that she, Defensive had, she had tried to, yeah. to fight him off. And they think that given how the wounds were, that she would have died within two minutes of, of the attack, uh, of the attack, yeah. which like you think is super fast, but, but then if like I sat that... here and we counted out two minutes, mm-hmm. my dad in a very, I think I told you this in a very creepy fashion. Hmm. <laughs> my dad is not a creep. But, he, but but he's like oh no but he's interested by certain like yeah. I, I know where i come from um he called me back to his office one day and he's like jacqueline come in here and he goes are you ready and i go yeah and he goes okay and then it's just silence and a certain amount of time goes by and he goes that's how long this man just jumped off or fell off i can't remember what it was half dome because that's how long he was in the air before he hit the ground. Oh, d- thanks, Dad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it was long. He didn't do that by himself? He had to bring you? How old were you? Oh, I was an adult. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just like home visiting or doing whatever. Thanks, and he was, Dad. yeah, he, he obviously had just read an article about someone who had fallen off yeah, half yeah, yeah. And it And then he was like, I'm sure he was curious and was like, oh my God, how long with that? And then he like Googled it and then was like, oh, Jackie would find that interesting. <laughs> Jackie, come here and sit in silence with me. <laughs> Like, I can imagine the whole thing playing out yeah, in his yeah. head. So later at his trial, so he's got this defense psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Dr. Ugh, everyone has hard names and all these stories. <laughs> Do you want Google Translate to translate no. to you for like in Russian? <laughs> Dr. Rory Hodlin. I'm going to call him Dr. Rory. Um, he testifies that Boisje had a schizotypical personality disorder. Okay. Um, that he was severely depressed because of setbacks in his academic career. That these are factors, uh, excuse me, factors coupled with. The anti-malarial drug <gasps> chloroquine that he and Caroline had taken before their May wedding in Costa Rica. And he's that it already... made him psychotic. And... Oh, wait, wait, wait. That story of the fucking Canadian. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, so if you haven't heard our last episode, yeah. Jackie, explain that. So essentially there's some malarial, uh, malaria drugs mm-hmm. that have that have been proven to make people psychotic mm. makes them um super violent and aggressive makes them suicidal like mm. like change your personality yeah and the you know how it came into play in the last episode was that the u.s because everyone was giving this to their soldiers mm-hmm. and, and just travelers like mm-hmm. it was just a, a well-known generic you know malaria drug but then the u.s said "Ooh, you know what we're kind of getting some feedback that this isn't so great Let's quit giving it to soldiers. Canada kept giving it to soldiers for an additional seven years past that. Mm. And there was our, there was kind of debate about the tie between the, the government in place and uh, raising money for those people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But there are definite ties to behavioral issues mm-hmm. and malaria drugs. Oh, Jesus. So this guy's had malaria twice as a kid. Mm-hmm. They're on anti Like recently, they're on anti-malaria drugs. Is it the same one? Do we know? How we'd have to look it up. I the don't same know. combination. Okay. Um, but that's part of like to me. I had a hard time buying this whole like yeah his whole teen like they're talking to him through the, like I didn't get the sense that he had lived a life of someone with severe mental because nobody in his inner circle had really ever talked said about anything. it. Yeah. And then she is it a cultural thing though? Could that have been? I don't think of Aussies as being. Were they? Aussies? They're Polish, okay. but like they grew like he grew. I don't really know. Okay. Okay. I'm speaking from ignorance, but my take was I didn't get the sense that anyone else other than his lawyer, based on what he's telling them, really felt like he had had severe mental issues and or, is that, or behavioral issues. Is that the route the lawyer decided to take in that? Or I mean, he's saying these things. Okay. But that's, yeah, that's what his lawyers are. That's his defense. Okay. And, but I do kind of buy... The malaria, the malaria drug. Yeah. Like now you're all of a sudden being cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I, I do. <laughs> I kind of get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the time of, of the killing, uh, Boisje had taken a leave of absence from his doctoral program, doctoral program, excuse me, um, to work on a business startup. He was working 60 to 80 hour work weeks. Jesus. They had the financial woes of this wedding. Um, he's got this depression, paranoia, acute symptoms. So they start calling it Capgross Delusion. Which essentially means um, it's a syndrome where he's saying that his wife isn't his wife. Mm. This is what his lawyer is saying. That all these things combined are making him have this delusion called Capgross. Mm-hmm. Where he's saying, looks like Caroline, seems like Caroline, but someone's taken over her. That's not oh, Caroline. Jesus. Yeah. Is what they're saying. Um, unseen forces had replaced his wife. So, um, 
what his what the lawyer is saying is that he intended to commit suicide by cutting his own throat and jumping into a gorge but then it also became this like that's not caroline so if i kill this person i'm not murdering my wife i'm murdering this imposter mm-hmm. um was he hoping to get his actual wife back by killing the imposter? I, no because he's intending to kill himself as well okay he's kind of okay it's a swirl okay so basically he goes on this run he hits her with this pipe he cuts her throat she's dead he then discovers that the knife he wants to use is too dull. He kind of sees that it didn't work very well in Caroline. Oh, oh, God. Okay. But he still wants to kill himself. Okay. So this is when he drives back to the apartment, which is now smoldering, because he had set it on fire yeah. at some point. I don't know if he like sets it on fire when they leave on this run. I'm trying to understand the... The timeline for the The timeline world. of like okay. how he gets it on fire without her being like, why are you lighting our apartment on fire? <laughs> Honey, I forgot my keys. I'll be right back. Just run, just run, just run. So he goes onto the web. And he starts researching on the internet how to cut his throat. His home computer or his phone? He's, I think he's on her laptop. And he's oh, using, so he's back home. And he's using some of her, like, doctor sites. Okay, so I think he... The job happened, the murder happened. I think he went back, he Googled and everything. Like, oh, shit, I'm not good at killing people. I don't want to die that way. That seemed horrible. Ugh. It's kind of how I'm taking yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, So then he goes back to the state park where his wife, has, where he murdered her. He has a sharper knife. He has a few bottles of wine. He's wearing a bathrobe. So that's when he ends up in the bathroom. Oh, he's going to wine and dine himself before yeah. he kills himself. Okay. He's going to have a more pleasant experience. He's a cheese platter. Oh, my God. Chartreuse. <laughs> um, what they notice on his, so he Googles on his Mac how to kill neck artery. Um, Which is not a good google search like he's yeah he's just hitting keywords um he's paranoid he's delusional like you've got all these people he's saying at some point i started thinking my life sucks wouldn't it be great if something tragic happens to caroline it's kind of his thinking um he concludes like this is a, a, a doctor guy i think he concludes that the psychosis fitted this is the oh his lawyers arguing this or his doctor that's working with the lawyers they conclude that uh Boise's psychosis fits the legal definition of extreme emotional disturbance which lessens the crime to manslaughter so you know how you and i talk mm. about murder in the first mm-hmm. degree so manslaughter is also if you're in extreme emotional distress so i think you can argue manslaughter if you come home you find your wife in bed with another man and it's this act of passion passion mm-hmm. that can be manslaughter okay it's the premeditated that makes it murder it's the levels of that yeah yeah so they're trying to say he's in this extreme emotional disturbance then they go through the computer so the computer is set to delete its history of all the internet internet pages when it's closed but the browser remained open so it kept all the searches so even though he kind of thought he was going to clear the caches i mean they can like forensically go through and see all that stuff uh but he didn't even like close it all outright. So the DA starts arguing that the chain of events that Caroline's death showed a man who was just scheming and calculating. Um, he notes that she that like he's saying, oh, you know, I wish she was in a car accident. Oh, hopefully, you know, she'd get killed in a dark alley or something or in a bank robbery. And the guy's saying, like, they live in Ithaca. There's no dark alleys. There's no he knew the one place and that's where he killed her. Yeah. So he like prosecution is saying cool story, bro. You just didn't you're you're in debt, you're it's not what you thought it was going to be, your life is harder mm-hmm. and you thought I'll kill my wife and I'll get out of it. Did he take out a life insurance policy? There's no life insurance. Okay. Talking any of this. Um so this is also the DA saying they found blood um in the grass beside 
Caroline. It indicates that she was lying face down when she bled to death. And what he's saying is, based on the blood, and this is like, you know, blood evidence, he's saying, I think he killed her and I think he flipped her over. Mm-hmm. Um, the jury... Isn't it usually, like, if you kill someone and you feel remorse, then you hide their face, you know, or you, like, bury them properly? He's incredibly, he's incredibly remorseful. Okay. In all of his interactions in the courtroom, Mm -hmm. he apologizes to the family. He says that he's so, so, like, he, they definitely say that he is remorseful. And he's not coming across as a, as a, like, saying crazy thing. Like, he's saying, I am, he feels bad. And then back to the drug. So that malaria drug. So people I don't, who, like wear off. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Okay. We should look into that because I think that'll probably play Come a role again. in yeah, a bunch yeah. of other stories. So the what they're putting on him is twenty five years to life mm. for manslaughter. For manslaughter. Okay. Oh, this part really got me. The dad comes in. This is when they're in sentencing. Mm. Caroline's dad puts her urn on a courtroom table and pleads with the judge to give him the maximum. And so he, I think he has 25 years, like, I think his, the earliest he could get out is 2034. Okay. Um, he attempted suicide in 2010. Wasn't successful. They, you know, saved him and he's just. Wait, so what was he sentenced? He was sentenced to 25 years to life. Oh, okay. 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 Got it. Got it. So he could get out in 2034. I think it, it depends good on. Good behavior and yeah, stuff like that. Parole and stuff okay. like that. Wow. Yeah. Do you think it was. A psychosis from the malaria do you think he had the underlying it sounded like you didn't really think he had that previous underlying I, d- I don't necessarily buy the he had a lifelong struggle with mental illness mm-hmm. i am open to the idea of the malaria medication making him psychotic mm-hmm. um were there any like did he keep a journal did he like no, it was just all from his about, memory okay yeah i just i i also can understand or see Here's this dude that's, he's got a, a, a brilliant, very high caliber wife mm-hmm. who is professionally very successful and she's pretty, she's smart, people speak highly of her. He's trying to live up to that. He's also smart. He's working a ton, but he's not getting the same success. Mm-hmm. I think he thought, here's the two of us, we're going to be amazing together and it's not quite being that, and they're struggling with money. It's early on. Like, it's one of those, like, have a little bit of further out sight than that. Like, yeah. in the moment, it seems like a lot. Yeah. And it might have just been something as simple as, like, like one of the detectives, I think, said, sometimes a murder is just a murder. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's some explanations to it. You know, but ultimately, he like... He did. He was like, let's go out on a run with every intention of killing her. Yeah. Killed her on this run. It was painful. Mm. It's sad. Yeah. Oh, Jackie. Bummer city. Yeah. I mean, good story. Irish Great coffee. Detail. Irish coffee. <laughs> not a bummer. Irish coffee, not a bummer. Your story, uh, yeah, yeah, a bummer. Yeah, my story, major bummer. <laughs> um, again, if you've made this cocktail, please tag us in that photo. Um, and if you have a suggestion on your own little twist to the cocktail, we love to hear it. Yeah. And we'll see. Oh, doesn't yeah. like eggs. Oh, Jesus Christ. And cream is hard on her body. <laughs> Which is why I took lactose pills before <laughs> this. I've actually taken two now. So we, so we can do it. Uh, but the non-egg, non-dairy based are probably going to be 
hard. But better, better for, for you. you, my loyal friend fans, all twelve of you, my loyal friends, <laughs> my far from Tripmere. <laughs> um, next week for our Christmas episode, we'll be doing what is it? The snowball? I think cream base or egg base. <laughs> what I think. Both. God help me. <laughs> I yeah. hate eggs. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Use coupon code KillerCocktails, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus. And we'll be back next week on Hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back. Oh, you started from oh. the beginning. Now I get it. Oh. Let me not rustle. Yeah. Crow. <laughs> <laughs> you had too many. <laughs> I had to sit here for a while. Um.